0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Would you just join me in just extending your hands to God like you are going to receive what he has to give you today. And in order to receive, we need to open our hands and release all things that seem to get in the way of receiving from God. God, we uh, were broken before you. We are completely undone. There is no way we can stand in your presence and survive on our own. So God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay it all, to purchase us with his blood To make us right with you God to become a temple of the living God where your presence dwells Lord that's who we are we are your children we are yours adopted through Jesus we are your children we are citizens of heaven we are foreigners in this earth we are ambassadors of heaven we are royal priests filled with your glory god and now as your presence just fills this place god remove all impurities from our lives remove it all god the strongholds and the footholds the enemy has had on our lives they we serve them notice we serve them notice you are evicted from this place god do only what you can do and do what you desire to do amongst your people. Would you permeate through the live stream uh, devices to the homes who are praying right now, God? Would you meet them right where they're at? May they sense your presence with them. I just wanna speak a scripture over you this morning and i pray you would receive it i pray you would receive it and understand that where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom so many of you let's just be realistic you have walked into these doors with chains and shackles and bondage from this week some of you are are just being saturated with anger and bitterness and confusion and and depression. That when we come into the presence of God, that releases because God wants to meet us and free us. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Can you say the word freedom? freedom? And here it is in 2 Corinthians, it says, and we who with unveiled faces, That's a lot of Christian terminology there. What it means is we who have been set free, we who have believed and received the promises of Jesus. If that's you, you have been set free. We who with unveiled faces, guess guess what? If that's you, all reflect the Lord's glory. Do you reflect the Lord's glory? Now I understand you've been through some things. I understand you've hit the ground hard. I understand that you have made mistakes. I understand that you clicked the the mouse button on the the internet or, or, or gone to things you shouldn't have gone and said things you shouldn't have said. But you know what? God's glory resides in his children. And he wants to transform us into his likeness by glory, by glory. Meaning every step we take towards Christ, he meets us with his glory. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who have been set free, all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. Say transformed. That's the vision of ECC is to see real transformation. But we can't have real transformation without real life change, by the freedom given by the Spirit of God. We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness in ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, we put the sails up of our lives, our hearts up right now. We release, we surrender, we lift our lives up to you And now come in only a way that you can minister to our hearts. Holy Spirit, you're welcomed in this place. Do what only you can do. Keep my heart, Father, yielded to you. Push out all distractions in the name of Jesus. We want real transformation today. So Spirit of God, come and bring freedom in our lives. And I thank you in advance, God, for the chains and the the release and the freedom that's coming today. In Jesus' name we pray amen you may be seated take in this video and then we'll get to the word of god This is a prayer that Jesus used to teach his disciples and us about prayer. And so when Jesus says, this is how you should do something, if we want to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and grow in his likeness, I think we need to follow his example. This is the most incredible, powerful prayer anyone could ever pray. Jesus endorsed this. (laughs) And would you agree with me that most Christians, people who say God is their Lord, Jesus is their Savior, would you agree that most people would pray this prayer? Really like genuinely mean it, right? I mean, who doesn't want the fruits of this prayer? I mean, why are you here this morning besides someone dragged you and made you come? Why are you watching right now? It's because if God has something for you, you want it. Your intentions and your desires are for God to do what only he can do in your life, right? I mean, let, let's even look at the fruits of this prayer. Who doesn't want God's kingdom, number one, to come in their lives? I don't know a single Christian that said, no, I don't want God, God's kingdom to happen in my life. I would say you're not a Christian. Who doesn't want God's kingdom to come and transform us? I mean, even people who aren't considered Christians and unbelievers, they sure would like to see God do something pretty cool in their lives. A lot of unbelievers say, until I see God move, I'm not gonna believe. Well, my response to that is just open your eyes. You breathing, is God moving? (laughs) His kingdom come. Would you all agree, you wanna see God's kingdom in some form or fashion come into your life, right? Yeah. Jesus came, he said, I came to bring the kingdom of God. Now we know that the kingdom of God is here, but it's not in completion yet because we still have sin, we still have the fallen nature of the curse of sin. And we will until Jesus comes back, takes his bride with him and restores everything to himself, which means a new heaven and a new earth. But until then, we are still experiencing God's kingdom here and in our lives. It means the kingdom is in you, within you, around you. Just open your eyes. Who doesn't want God's will for their lives? Is there a single Christian that says, nope, I don't want God's will for my lives? They want it, they don't know how to get it. And so they go after the things that are visible and things that are attractive and shiny and glimmering to find and to fill that void. One of the biggest questions that I get from people who are seeking is how do I know what God's will for my life is? His kingdom. (laughs) Your kingdom come, your will be done. How many, let's just be honest, a show of hands, how many understand that you have daily needs? If you don't raise your hand, um, let's talk after church because I am sure if I offered you some money to take care of your electric bill, you'd take it. (laughs) We have daily needs, but we also have daily spiritual needs, which a lot God, Jesus is referring to, but we also have, you know, physical needs. We need water, we need food. Because of the curse of sin, we dress ourselves, so we need clothes. We worry about the things that God says he would already provide. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Jesus isn't saying these things are bad. He said, pray for your daily needs, but don't pray for them, just receive them because God gives them. But who doesn't want their daily needs met so that they can do the things that God has called them to do. Because by the way, you cannot live this supernatural life in the natural. You need the supernatural presence of God in order to be supernatural. And yet we live our lives without acknowledging the spirit of God in our lives. That's for another day, another message. Show of hands, who doesn't want to be forgiven? Who wants to be forgiven? Who wants to be forgiven? You're like, ah, ah, that's a trick question. Who wants to be forgiven? Hopefully every hand, because God says in the word that if you say you don't need forgiven, you're a liar. So let's try that again. Who wants to be forgiven? Yeah, that's a prayer, that's a prayer. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up in the morning thinking that I'm just gonna fill my day with falling into temptation. I don't get up and say, oh man, today's the day to fall hard and baby, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it well. No, but we do as a dog returns to its vomit, so does one fool return to their sin. How often you hear that on the pulpit, it's true. And we learned last week that we're sinners. And because we're sinful by nature, we sin. But our prayer is God, don't lead us into temptation. And who wants to be delivered from evil? Just a few of you. This might not be the church for you. (laughs) I'm just being honest because I don't know who wants to really live with the consequences of evil, but yet we do. Every day we open the doors of our lives to the evil activity, but our prayer is God deliver us from evil. All these fruits of the Lord's prayer are of the kingdom of God and God's desire to give every single one of you. However, there is a contingency You mean there's a contingency in prayer? Yeah. What's a contingency? It means if I do this, God will do that. If my son makes his bed, he will get a treat, a sucker. If Emery goes to the potty like she's supposed to go, she gets a Hershey kiss. It's the way we train ourselves, but it's also the way that God operates in some things. Now his grace is not contingent upon us. His grace is freely given undeserved, but hear me out. These fruits of these prayer, rise and fall on your choice to forgive or not to forgive. Say what? Take that in for a minute. You mean you telling me that if I don't forgive someone in my heart, and when I say someone, I mean maybe the one you're looking in the mirror? If I don't forgive, God's not gonna do this for me? Well, it's not God's not gonna do this for me. It's you forfeit or diminish these results from happening in your life. God doesn't do this to you. It's your choice to forgive or not to forgive. And we're gonna get to that in a moment. But the fruits of this prayer rise and fall on one decision, to forgive or not to forgive, that is the question. Look at, look at um, number four, forgive us our debts. Our debts is something we can't pay. God has forgiven the penalty of our sin that we could never pay. Forgive our sins. That's our only hope for a future with God. That's our only hope for abundant life that Jesus promised us right now. Forgive us our debts as we, they are one. You cannot do one apart from the other. Forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here's something crazy. This prayer doesn't end there. Now we added, years back, we added the, for thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Jesus didn't necessarily say that because it wasn't documented. He may have, and I think it aligns itself with what Jesus taught, but that's not in there. Do you know what is? Let's look at it the very next verse, a part of the prayer. For if you forgive others, your father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, you will not be forgiven from your father. Now, before you tune me out and before you run towards shame and condemnation, I want you to understand, this is not talking about salvation and grace offered by Jesus Christ. For last week, we talked about our conflict with God, our conflict with God, and it's all about resolving conflict God's way. What is God's way? It's that we were dead in our sin, and he who knew no sin became our sin, Jesus Christ, so that we may be forgiven. He broke down the wall of hostility and unforgiveness that separates you and God. He broke it down by offering his life intentionally and willingly, even while you were yet sinners, Christ died. Okay, so your forgiveness by Jesus is not contingent upon if you forgive. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is if you choose not to forgive, you will not experience the freedom and the fullness of God in your life. If you don't forgive like Christ has forgiven you, you do not experience the fruit of unity with the Father and others. And so this week, we're gonna talk about the power of forgiveness. Can you say that phrase with me, ready? The power of forgiveness. Now everybody, ready? The power. There is power in forgiveness. Why did Jesus shed his blood? To forgive us, to forgive us. In order to resolve conflict in our lives God's way, we must learn to forgive the way we have been shown forgiveness. We love because he first loved us. We obey God because he has given us life and freedom. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And so today I want to offer you three seeds to the power of forgiveness. I believe if you plant these seeds in your life, you allow the spirit of God to plant these three seeds. The number three in the Bible, completion, perfection, right? Three seeds that if you allow them to be planted in your mind and your heart and your spirit, I promise you, you will experience freedom and you will grow in your spiritual walk, but you have to allow the seeds to be planted in your life. The first seed is this, forgiveness is required for spiritual growth and freedom. Who do, what Christian do you know that doesn't want to grow more like Christ? Colossians 3.10 says, that we put on our new nature that Christ bought for us. And we're renewed by, by, by learning God, learning the ways of God and then looking like God, learning him, looking like him, learning him, looking like him. So if you want to grow in your spiritual walk and hopefully the desire of every Christian is not to stay in a diaper and a, uh, a, a bib and a high chair the rest of their lives spiritually. Right? We wanna grow, but in order to grow more like Christ, we have to grow in learning to forgive. Forgiveness will rob you of seeing God's fulfillment in your life. And I understand that many of you are hurting inside right now because of this. And there have been things done to you in your past that are absolutely wrong, need to be punished, dealt with. There's baggage you're carrying that someone else packed those bags and gave them to you to carry the rest of your life that you were never designed to carry. There are wounds that are so painful that you try to block them out in whatever way possible. And I understand that in this place and on live stream, there's a lot, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And I just wanna let you know that you're in the right place. And I believe God wants to truly, truly set you free today, truly. He has set you free already when he died on the cross. And there's just some things that we need to open our eyes to that we need to lay down at the cross in order to walk in freedom and the forgiveness your soul and spirit has been craving and longing for. But forgiveness is a requirement for spiritual freedom and and, uh, spiritual growth. Hear me, I personally cannot walk in oneness with God, seeing the fruit of his spirit in my life if I am harboring unforgiveness, I can't. Does that mean I'm saved? Absolutely saved by grace bought with the blood of Jesus, freely forgiven, yet I tell you, there's a wall up in my life and I choose by not forgiving to forfeit or not experience the fullness that God has for me. That's the power of unforgiveness, the destructive power of unforgiveness. One cannot walk in pure oneness with Jesus while still walking in unforgiveness in their heart to someone else or themselves. You can't. You can have a good relationship, but there is not that intimacy and that perfection, that unity, that restoration of you and God. And I'm gonna go a step further and I'm gonna just shake the waters just a little bit. You know, we always hear, get your vertical with God right. Get the vertical right, get the vertical right. And there's some truth to it, I'm not knocking that. And then they say, if you align yourself with Christ, then everything else will fall into place. The horizontal will take care of itself. I'm here to tell you that if your horizontal relationships are buried in unforgiveness, your vertical is not right. Well, I just need to be aligned with God. If you were aligned with God, you would forgive others. So the very nature that your horizontal is not right means your vertical is not right. That's what I believe that this is talking about. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Cleansed and aligned. Don't forgive and you won't be forgiven, not in alignment. Forgiveness is required for spiritual growth, and freedom. Seed number two, you ready? Forgiveness is not a process. It's not. I'm gonna prove it to you by scripture in a moment. It's not a process. I can't tell you growing up how many counselors and how many pastors told me, well, forgiveness is a process. No, it's a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. Jesus decided for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's a decision. It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on what has been done to you. It's not based on anything of that. It's based on a decision to release the wounds and the wounder. Jesus did it. He said in his moment of death, he said, Father, forgive them a decision for they don't know what they do. Stephen in Acts chapter six and seven, a rock, a pillar in the spiritual movement of the birth of the church. This man shouldn't have been taken. His life should not have been murdered but he was preaching the gospel to unbelievers who wanted to silence him. They pushed him out of the city and they picked up rocks to stone them. And they started thwarting him and thrusting these rocks at his face, brutally murdering him and he falls to the ground. Read it, it's in scripture. And he says, Father, receive my spirit. He's seeing Jesus. He knows his end and his earthly body is over. And the last thing he says is, Father, don't hold the sin against them. (laughs) That's a normal response, is it not? (laughs) That's not the normal response of our fallen world. And so when you choose not to forgive, you are following the ways and the response of the world. But to follow Jesus's way is to freely forgive. And I think most of us could say that we haven't been murdered and stoned to death. And yet Stephen, with the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision. Now, let me talk to those who are struggling and wrestling with this. Healing from the hurt caused to you is a process. Healing takes time. Healing doesn't always happen instantaneously. It can, but a lot of times it's a process. Forgiveness is a decision. The process is us getting ourselves to a place where the pain of that hurt doesn't come up any longer every time we think about it. Forgiveness is a decision. Healing is a process. And I'm gonna say something else that we're gonna deal with in the coming weeks. Reconciliation is a process built on the decision of two people. You cannot have reconciliation if the other person is not willing to forgive and reconcile. And let's be honest, some relationships never work out, coming back as buddy-buddy, and it's like we expect it to be like always before, it doesn't happen. For those of you who feel like a victim, who you feel like in order to forgive, that you need to restore your relationship with them and be buddy-buddy, that's victim mentality that you have to serve and become a doormat to the person you're forgiving, that's a victim. Forgiveness is a decision, healing is a process. Reconciliation is a design that is preferred, but it takes two, it takes a process. Sometimes restoration, doesn't happen here on earth, but it's God's design. And so he tells us in Romans chapter 12, I'm jumping ahead. Romans chapter 12, repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, you you cannot control the other person's decisions and response. You have to be obedient to what God has told you in order not to harm yourself or harm others. Do what God is leading you in his spirit and his word and the confirmation of other believers to do as far as it is up to you to be in forgiveness and reconciliation with others. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. We don't leave things well, we take them up. We take it as our responsibility, but God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Don't be overcome by evil. When we choose not to forgive, to pay back evil for evil, we open ourselves to be overcome by it, but overcome evil with good. Here's a quote so powerful, says this, the purest evidence, the purest evidence to others around you of the Christ life within you is when we choose to forgive instantaneously. Oh, that's impossible, you're right. Without God, it is impossible. But as we grow in our own forgiveness, and we grow more and more and more like Christ. And we start to see the fruit of maturity in Christ. Forgiveness becomes something that supernaturally happens within us. But it is a process to grow there. And I know for me in my past, one of the hardest things I ever went through was learning to forgive a pastor, for hurting me and my family. It took me two years to constantly just forgive and give it to the Lord. And when bitterness and thoughts and pain started to come up, I had to repent and just ask for forgiveness for that and just to lay it down to where I could finally write a letter, an email of forgiving this person, but never send it. because in my situation, it wouldn't have done any good to send it to that person, but it did me good to lay it down and forgive. Took my wife almost three years to trust the church again. You see, forgiveness is a decision. The healing of the wounds caused take time. And when you start to get to a place where you literally Start praying for God's best in their lives. You know you have healed, but the scars are still there. Forgiveness is not a process, it is a decision. The process is trying to heal and become more and more like Christ in choosing to forgive instantaneously. Let's look at the third seed. This is one that I believe, I'm just speaking by faith, that God's gonna start unlocking things within your life as you start to release forgiveness. Unforgiveness, choosing, making the decision not to forgive, no matter how painful, no matter what destruction was caused. Choosing not to forgive results in three major toxic consequences for who? For you. Not the wounder, not the person doing the harm for you. The first fruit or consequence, toxic consequence we see is the fruit of the Lord's prayer is hindered or diminished because of unforgiveness. I'm not saying that God's kingdom and God's not gonna work in your life, he will, but ultimately he's working in your life to draw you to a place of forgiveness. You wanna know the Lord's will for your life? Well, it's to forgive those who've sinned against you so that you can receive what God has for you. Because unforgiveness then starts to lead to bitterness. And anger and jealousy in James chapter three tells us that those things are are earthly, unspiritual and demonic, toxic. We want God's kingdom to come. We want his will to be done. We want our daily bread. We want his forgiveness. We want to be delivered from evil and not fall into temptation, but unforgiveness will keep us from seeing Those results in our lives. The second toxic consequence is unforgiveness will rob each one of you from living in the fullness of God's peace, His freedom, His joy, and His power. Friends, I believe that one of the reasons churches in America, especially, do not see the power of God manifested in their gatherings and in their lives is because they choose not to forgive. There's other reasons, of course, but that is one key thing. Why do you think so many unbelievers who've been hurt by Christians want nothing to do with Christianity? It's because they see the fruit of bitterness and unforgiveness in their lives they don't see freedom, they don't see peace, they don't see joy, and they sure don't see power. The third seed, and this one is sobering, and this one please take as a loving warning. Unforgiveness opens us all up to the work, the schemes, and the activity of the devil. This one should cause us to tremble. Do you know that the spiritual forces of evil are real? They're out to steal, kill, and destroy you. They are out to steal your joy, steal your freedom. They're out to kill your freedom and keep you in chains. And they're out to destroy you by tormenting you, your identity, your worth, your relationships, your mind. We have to understand that unforgiveness will open us to the schemes of the enemy. I'm gonna show you In Matthew 18, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Matthew 18. If not, look it up later or on your phones. Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable and we don't know if this parable was actually a real story or just a lot of times he would use parables of illustration stories that maybe didn't happen, but are realistic to happen. And he tells the story of this servant who owed a world and lifetime of debt. And the master drew him into his courts. And he says, I have waited patiently long enough. You owe 10,000 talents. And we're like, okay, that's great. Talents, okay, maybe he can sing. Um, Maybe he can draw, maybe he can build something. No, talents was a form of currency. Do you know how much this servant owed? 10,000 talents is equivalent to 150,000 years of wages. And based on the median American income, 50,000 a year, that is $7.5 billion this man owed. We have to realize that he knew he could not pay this off. And yet he doesn't ask for forgiveness. What does he ask for? Time, which he doesn't have. He says, give me more time and I'll pay it off. The master of course knew that and he had mercy and he forgave this man, the 10,000 talents, 150,000 years worth of wages, 7.5 billion American US dollars. How would you feel if you walked out today with no more mortgage? You were just told in church, it's gone. What about your car debt and your student loans and all the different loans and for many of us, the credit card debt, it's gone. We sure would head out of this building grinning ear to ear and a little hop in our steps. Some of you even shouting glory, (laughs) right? This man was forgiven of something he could not pay back. And so he goes out like anyone who's been forgiven so much, goes out and clears all of his negative business and forgives everybody. No, a servant of his who works for him owed him a hundred talents not 100 talents, excuse me, 100 days wages, which in US dollars equals about $16,000. Now that can be forgiven by giving time to pay it off. And the servant even said, didn't ask for forgiveness of not paying it. He said, I promise you, give me some years and I'll pay it off. And what does this man who's been forgiven a debt he could not pay, what does he do? He chokes him. And he says, you pay right now, what is mine or I will throw you into prison. He threw him into prison. The master hears about it, pulls this unforgiving debtor into his courts. And he says, you wicked servant, for I forgave you something that you could never pay back. And you didn't have mercy on someone who owed you $16,000. He says, away with you. Now, this is Jesus' parable. He says, I will throw you into prison and torture you until you pay back your debt in full. Meaning he would be in shackles and in prison and they would torment them. Torture in the Bible means torment. And if you look up torment in the New Testament, almost every one of those have to do with demonic activity. Yes. Hell, sometimes, and sometimes it's demon, oppression, suppression, possession. Say with me, and this is what Jesus said. That is what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. What Jesus is not saying is that he will send you to hell after you've received his grace and forgiveness. What he is saying, and I believe that there is no other interpretation you can get from this text than this. God will withhold his protection from you Protection from what? What is it? What is that? That is what my heavenly father would do. What is that? Torment. There is no other word that he's referring to but torment. Well, that's just a parable. No, it's a spiritual illustration. That is what my heavenly father will do to you, meaning when we choose not to forgive. God removes his protection from the evil one. And we open our lives to the authority of the evil one. Don't believe me? Ask someone who is buried in unforgiveness. Ask them about their dreams. Ask them about the medication they're on for you name it. Now we're getting a little dicey here. Now the thermostat's getting turned up. What does this mean? Does that mean if I don't forgive in my heart that I could end up sick? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Does that mean if I don't forgive in my heart that I could end up bound by fear and anxiety? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Does that mean that if I don't forgive, I open myself and my family to the attack of the enemy? Yes, it does. But here's a disclaimer. What I'm not saying is just because you're sick, just because you're struggling with depression, just because you're struggling with something doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven somebody. There are several different pathways of why we experience things caused by the evil one not just unforgiveness, so don't hear me, wrong. Sometimes, and a lot of times, we experience the, the, the evidence and the repercussions of evil in our lives because of the curse of sin. It's because we've been stained with sin, not because of your intentional sin, but the sin that has broken this world. So in that, along comes murder, along comes hate, violence, wars, bitterness, racism, divorce, sickness, disease, death. That's all a byproduct of the curse of sin. That is not from God. God had to allow it because there was a conflict between us and God. There's another reason why some people experience the works of evil in their lives. And it's unconfessed sin, disobedience, that you have not asked God for forgiveness. And you think it's just still okay to sleep with someone and you're not married to them. And you think it's okay, and you think it's okay, and yet God's telling in your heart, the things you're looking at on the screen is not of me. It is causing a barrier between you experiencing the freedom in my life. A lot of times we open ourselves to the work of the enemy by the things we watch on TV, by the jokes at work we just laugh at and think are hilarious. No, they're causing a wall in your life and you're experiencing the work of the enemy because you're not one and in communion with the Father. His protection has been lifted. Well, there's another reason why we experience the things of this evil world is God allows it. Look at Job, God allows it. Look at cancer, Hallie. God allowed it to do a work in you, strengthening you, didn't come from God, but God gave authority to the evil one to bring cancer in the purpose to draw her to the fullness of Christ. That's amazing that God would do that. Sometimes friends, my daddy, excuse me, My daddy right now is watching live stream because he can't walk right now. And he's struggling with restless legs and he gets about two to three hours of sleep a night. He's got Parkinson's disease and it's getting worse. But do you know what he says all the time? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus. I don't understand why he's not healed me. I don't understand. I've forgiven myself. I've forgiven everybody else. I just don't understand. But God is refining him. God is using his pain to bring power in his life. And so when we experience pain, please don't fall into the trap of just saying, well, I'm holding forgiveness, unforgiveness in my heart. Maybe you are, but that doesn't always mean that you are when you're experiencing evil. Here's another one. When we worship things that aren't God, when we worship, we put things on the throne of our heart that is not Jesus. It's called idolatry. We open ourselves to the things we're worshiping. Hello, So back to unforgiveness, I just wanted to make that huge disclaimer. But yes, that's why Paul says, if you're gonna take communion, you better get right with your brother and sister before you take it because that's why some of you are sick and dying. We open ourselves to the evil one. And I know forgiveness is so difficult because we look at what was done to us. I want you to understand that Christianity is not cosmetic surgery in order to cover up your past pain and baggage so that we can feel somewhat closer to God and show others that we have our life together. Christianity is not about God sending a savior to conceal the pain of our past and our sin and act like the penalty of sin doesn't exist. Jesus was labeled the man of sorrows for our sin. Christianity, however, is all about Christ who came to our rescue by bringing his glory only revealed in his wounds. Friends, you need to understand that Jesus died our sinner's death and he was pierced for our sin. He was crushed for our sin. And by his wounds, we are healed. But we have to understand when Jesus rose from the dead, you would think that the wounds would be gone. He was resurrected, he was perfect. No, the scars were still there. To remind you that the pain that you are forgiving still leaves a scar what happened to you was wrong it shouldn't have happened it's painful it's identified you and defined you for way too long but the decision to forgive is you're forgiving the wound but not expecting it to go away you're expecting it to heal and leave a scar I wanna leave you with two quotes as we get right with God and others. Guys, all you have to do is say, look, I don't feel it. I don't want to do it. But God, if this means I'm going to experience your freedom, I'm willing to forgive and making a decision to forgive. And when it comes up again, you forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive because the purest example of the Christ life in you is when you can forgive instantaneously. Am I there yet? No, I have forgiven and seen restoration in my life. You know my daddy I just talked about? He's given me permission by the way to share this. He abused me when I was a kid. He was bound by PTSD of Vietnam. He had to shoot people, including a child. And he held that guilt and shame and it was way too heavy for him to bear and so he turned to alcohol to numb his pain. And in numbing his pain, he became angry and would verbally abuse my mom and physically abuse me. And I became the protector and the peacemaker of the family. And I had a choice to make in 1998. I was on my own in college, away from the nest, away from my dad, never wanted to really see him at that point or be like him. And the Lord says, I wanna do something so extraordinary in your life that if you don't forgive your father, I cannot fulfill that in your life. My daddy is one of my best friends now. Now we had to heal, we had to work through things, but I'm fully restored with my daddy. And you can be too. It just may not look like that because the person you need to forgive might be six feet under. They may be in a whole different place and honestly, it may not be safe for you to go that direction of restoration. But a decision in your heart must take place in order for you to experience freedom. Look at this quote. We're not asking how much forgiveness do they deserve. We're asking how much freedom do we desire. Your spiritual growth and your spiritual freedom is directly related to your ability to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision, not a choice. So, what do we do? Band, you can come on up. Release the unforgiveness to God, release it, let go. Sometimes you have to literally peel and pry your hands off it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. It doesn't define you anymore. He nailed it to the cross. Why are you nailing it to you? You release unforgiveness to God so that you can be released from what's been holding you captive in prison. So I would ask you just to bow your heads right now, close your eyes and if you could do me a favor and not get up and move around to the bathroom or whatever. If you wanna be free today, If you're feeling like enough is enough and I've robbed myself way too long by not releasing forgiveness when I have been forgiven a debt that I will never be able to pay, if that's you, I'm asking you to slip out of your seat right now and just come to the altar. There's something that is amazing when we physically obey when we physically put feet to the action of what's happening spiritually. Now I understand some of you just, you don't feel comfortable and right getting up in front of public. Will you do it at home? Will you go to the altar at home? It's not about coming right now in church. It's about you forgiving, receiving that forgiveness. But I'm calling you, if you have harbored forgiveness for what has been done to you, and you are reaping the destructive, toxic consequences from it, you can be released from that right now by the obedience of just saying, God, I release that to you and I forgive them. It's the power of freedom. I wanna take three minutes, friends. I wanna take three minutes. And I'm going to be silent before the Lord because I feel, I know in my heart, he wants to set you free. I don't want you to leave this building still enslaved to the toxic consequences of unforgiveness. Stop letting the enemy run you through the mud. Stop letting the enemy harm your family and your relationships, stop it. It ends today by a simple, yet so gut-wrenching decision to release yourself into the forgiveness and the freedom and the fullness of God. Just slip out, there's more. There's more. Just step out. Three minutes. God, come have your way and move. Just just walk into this room. Right now, God. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.